Smarties, we're really excited about this episode. You've heard us do several on-air coaching calls before, which we'll link in the show notes in case you missed those gems. But this is one of the first times that we've welcomed a current client from one of our practices onto the podcast. You're about to meet Katherine Schnabel, who is a parent in my practice, my ed therapist in Redondo Beach, California. Her daughter, Erin, a seventh grader, has been working with Steph since October 2018, and we recorded this in February of 2019. So at the time of this recording, it has been about four months. She initially came to educational therapy as a result of her not turning in homework and meeting reasonable academic expectations for her intellect. You'll hear us talk about how impulse control plays a part in her academic life, and you'll also hear how educational therapy has completely transformed home life and has allowed Catherine to be the mom she wants to be instead of the micromanager of Erin's homework and online portal. For those of you Smarties that have been with us a while, you'll be excited to know that Catherine is Milkshake Girl's mom, and Erin is Milkshake Girl. <laughs> Steph has built a relationship with Erin rooted in vulnerability, honesty, accountability, and emotional safety. And you'll hear Rachel a lot more on this episode, because frankly, it's easier for Rachel to interview Catherine than for me to do it. Rachel and Catherine were just meeting for the first time when we recorded this episode. And as Erin's current educational therapist, I had to be careful about respecting confidentiality. Don't forget to listen until the end of the episode to hear our key takeaways. You want to learn faster, but sometimes working harder is just not the answer. You have to learn smarter. The Educational Therapy Podcast. Hi, Smarties. Welcome to episode 48 of Learn Smarter, the educational therapy podcast. I'm Rachel Cap, And I'm Stephanie Pitts. Today, we're starting a brand new series on the podcast, which is our success stories series. And we're welcoming Catherine Schnabel to the podcast, who is a current client in my ed therapist, Steph's practice in Redondo Beach, California. Hi, Catherine. Hi, Catherine. Hi. 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 <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Welcome. Thank you. I'm honored to be joining you today. I think it's really exciting because just to give some background information, Catherine is the mom of Milkshake Girl. Woo! Who's famous on the podcast. <laughs> so I think it's really great that we're able to share with everybody the backstory of what's been going on and everything because people have come to know and love Milkshake Girl. I'm not kidding. I've come across people, other people who are listening to the podcast, and they're like, what is the latest? <laughs> and it makes me giggle because we record a little bit in advance. So people aren't necessarily getting the current live version of what's going on. Yeah. But I, I love that she's famous on the podcast. Maybe we'll even name this episode success stories with Catherine Schnabel, AKA <laughs> milkshake girl's mom. I think we should. Okay. Totally works. Totally yeah. works. <laughs> So we wanted to give a little bit of a history, and can you bring us up to the date in your family and who are the important people in your family, pets count, and kind of what brought you to the point where you sought out educational therapy? We are a family of five. Erin is the oldest. She has two younger brothers. Erin's in seventh grade. She has a younger brother in fifth and first grade. 
And Erin is incredibly intelligent and is fully capable of the schoolwork that is put in front of her by her teachers, but has a difficult time getting her homework done. She easily gets distracted. And I can monitor her homework on something called RemWeb. And so I got to the point where I was obsessed every night checking, checking her assignments, checking her tests. And about every other day, she'd miss a homework assignment from one of her teachers. And it was extremely frustrating for us as parents, my husband and I. It was definitely causing friction in the house. And what would happen a lot of times is Erin would go off to sleep. Oh, I did my homework. I did my homework. Everything's done. And she'd go to sleep. And then I'd check RemWeb from the day before. And I'd see all these missing assignments. Mm -hmm. Or I'd see like a vocab test. And she'd get a 60 on a vocab. With vocab, all you have to do is memorize. That's just a matter of putting the time in and studying, just memorizing these words. And so I was really stressed out. And my husband is just so busy at work that he didn't have the time to deal with it. And Stephanie was recommended to us from a friend. And the moment I spoke to Stephanie, I knew that she was our only hope and (laughs) we were going to give it a try. No, honest to God, because everything you said, Stephanie, and you just made me so relaxed and felt so good. Most importantly, that I didn't have to be the one constantly looking at RemWeb. Like I could pass all this off and not have such a stressed relationship with my daughter. Yeah. And in fact, I didn't want you to. Are you able to do that, Catherine? Because we coach parents to not look. A little bit. A little bit. I think you've gotten better. That's because we've had some hiccups. So when Erin hiccups, I get concerned. You get re-triggered. And I kind of start parenting, helicoptering again, looking. But I have to say, Stephanie, I completely backed off. I was taking myself out of the equation, completely just removed myself. And she just got her report cards and she got all A's and B's. Mind you, I think she could have gotten all A's, but I... We're going to accept the victory. And that's solely because of all the missed homework. Every time she missed homework and then she'd turn it in late, she'd get half credit. And if she just get her homework in, she easily could be a straight A student. Can I interrupt and just coach you for a second? Yeah. When we hear parents say, if my child would only, or if my child would just, Uh we highlight that. And Steph and I both, I'm sure Steph thought to herself, oh, we got to talk about that. Oh yeah. Because the truth of the, if my child would only, the truth is they're not yet, but they're going to get to the point and it's getting better. And that's the point that I really wanted to highlight is that it's getting, it's improving for your family, right? Yes. Exponentially. I mean, having Stephanie in our lives has been a game changer. She's teaching Erin how to study. She's teaching Erin how to put things in a calendar and actually understand them and actually understanding how to look. We were in the car this morning and I said, when do you have a science test again? And she said, oh, I don't know. And I said, well, open up your calendar. And she opened her calendar and she was able to go right to and tell me what's going on. Couldn't have done that before we met Stephanie. Would have had no idea. Her school was having them write everything in a planner. 
and it wasn't making it from the board or from the teacher's mouth into the planner mm-hmm. and putting it in Google calendars has changed everything for Erin. It's been a huge upgrade. So Steph, you see her once a week, right? Mm-hmm. On Thursdays, right? Yep, I do. And when you see her, is her calendar updated throughout the week or are you noticing we're only updating the calendar from Thursday on? We're working on that. I was going to say, because the first step is really when they're in session with us to update that calendar. At least they're doing it once a week. It takes students time to do it more seamlessly throughout the week. Yes. She's also supposed to be doing it on Mondays during a class that she has. And the specialist at her school and I speak um, pretty regularly, actually, about this. Erin has a little bit of resistance to putting things that are on RenWeb actually in her calendar because she thinks that it's going to change and then she doesn't want to go back and change it. So she just wants to put it in all at once, which we fight. Yeah, we fight about and she knows the expectation. A little update when we were recording this in February and when I saw her last week, we set a serious amount of expectation that she said that she would change that habit. And if not, um, there's going to be some changes that are going to be made at home that I haven't even told you, Catherine, about because I'm letting her try first. And in fact, I just saw on my phone that I got an email from her Spanish teacher that she did her Spanish homework. Oh, and it's Monday. Yeah. I already knew that, though, because she had to send it to me last night. So um, (laughs) I already saw that it was done. I saw that. My husband and I were like, yes, Stephanie, awesome. (laughs) She's not there yet to see how that is helpful, and it seems like more work for her. But we are getting there, and there's definitely been some improvement. There's occasionally we'll go through her calendar, and she hasn't put a couple things in. But she's putting, you know, a good half of it in already, which is more than she was doing before. So that's a win for me. I'm really glad that we're talking about this because we do encounter a lot of resistance sometimes from our clients about what should get put into their calendar. And our main objective is there shouldn't be a question. Mm -hmm. We've talked about on this podcast before that when we would go on a trip, I remember often being like, I don't know which jacket to bring, or I don't know which book I want to read. And my dad would look at me and he would say, it's not going to slow down the plane or the car for you to bring both, put them both in. It's not going to slow down our Google calendar. Exactly. It's not going to slow down the calendar to put both in. I will say that sometimes teachers will post stuff that is two or three weeks out. That's when I notice a lot of kids don't want to put it into their calendar. But the truth of the matter is most kids are digital. It's not doing anything. And the worst that's going to happen if they put it into their calendar is that we delete it. The best that's going to happen is that they're going to remember to do the assignment. Right. So it doesn't make a lot of logical sense to not put something in, but our learners are new to calendaring, but I think it's great that we're talking about some of the objections that we hear from students a lot. Another one that we hear a lot is, well, I've already finished that assignment, so they don't want to write it down. And in that amount of time that we've discussed it, they could have just written it down. Yeah. So always. it's good that I know in, for both of us, Jeff, like we tend to be a little bit strong on this point. For sure. I love that you've really, with Milkshake Girls, so we should give some history of Erin on this podcast. So the, the reason we call her Milkshake Girl is because if she 
completes a certain amount of days without homework gone missing, she is highly motivated by getting a milkshake with you, Steph. Yes. Yes. We walk across the street and get a milkshake. Which, by the way, you enjoy those milkshakes just as much as she does. Yeah. I had one last time. I don't always have them, but I had one last time. (laughs) It was good. I agree. So Catherine, where do you feel Erin has made progress as a result of working in educational therapy with Steph? Oh, hands down, less stressful at home, less fighting between us, less frustration on Aaron's part on our being disappointed, which um, is a strong word that she does not like when we're not mad, we're disappointed. And it's just been so nice for me to not constantly, I mean, I was sometimes twice a day checking the school runway and just going through every class and every looking ahead and homework due. And on the weekends, like, okay. You were trying to do what a lot of parents that we see do, which is you're trying to do micromanager. Well, it's not, let's rephrase it in a way that's kinder. You, you were trying to recreate what was happening during her day, which is very difficult to do when students don't accurately report to us, not because it's intentional, they just missed it. And so you were trying to recreate her day while her day was happening, so you would know what was going on. And you were doing right. all this executive functioning for mm-hmm. her because she wasn't doing it. And someone had to. And then she knew I was going to do it for her, so she wouldn't do it anyway if she knew that I was going to check everything. That's fair. She's not one to come home in the car and say, oh, I have this history project and it's due on Friday. She is the child that will come home and say, oh, by the way, tomorrow I have this English project due and I need you to go to Target tonight and pick up, you know, five different things that I need for this project. Uh And then I'll say, how long have you known about this? Right. And then we'll find out she's known about it for two weeks. And so that wasn't fair. No. Yeah, it's not. I want to ask a question too. And this is just because we haven't met. I don't know you guys and I don't know your family dynamic, but I'm interested. Are you and your husband high achievers? Well, my husband is at work. Um, I'm a stay-at-home mom and I want all of my ducks lined up in a row. So, so yes, I want the kids at bed a certain time. I want my ducks in a row. Yeah. You're a high achieving stay-at-home mom. And I wish you had said that with a little more, um, I'm the like executive of my household because you are. Yeah. You kind of said it in a way that was undervaluing the role that you play in your family. And know that it isn't. Yeah. Just know that Steph and I have had this conversation before that we would love to hire former stay-at-home moms. That's who we want. To work for <laughs> us. So just putting that out there. So when you have two parents who would never exist in a world where they just wouldn't do the assignment, it creates a lot of stress. You were not that student. And do we know, Steph, why Aaron is avoidant of tasks? I think we've identified that it's certain subjects. Yeah, there's a couple of subjects where it seems to happen more often than others. I think it's very hard for her to task switch. Okay. And I think that there's other things that she enjoys doing much more. And whether it's doing something on her iPad or watching TV or, you know, whatever it is, you know, communicating with friends and things like that, that take precedence and she gets easily distracted by it. And then it's hard to come back. And Catherine, you would agree. 100%. 
hundred percent, hundred percent. Right now is what happens is she says, oh, I have to do this history project and I need to research on my laptop. And then I go in and I can tell she's flipping Instagram or texting her friends. And, and yet I haven't caught her in the app because she's really, really quick at like flipping. <laughs> but I know she's not 100% in on whatever the assignment at hand is. And that drives me crazy. Yeah, but you know, at the moment, I'm not asking her to be 100% in. Remember how we talked about a few weeks ago impulse control and she needed to just notice her impulse control? I actually talked to her about it last week in session and she said to me, I know I'm doing it. I just can't stop. First step. That is the first step in learning how to manage it was her actually admitting and noticing it. And we're going to continue down that path, but she hasn't learned how to control it yet. She's learned how to cover it up really well, but she hasn't learned how to control it. But she knows it's there and she can admit to it. Yeah. So we have developed a framework in episode 37, which Steph will write down right now to link in the show notes. (laughs) And one of the things that framework allows is for us to explain to parents the process of educational therapy. So the ABC, so the three different phases that we've identified that students go through. So the first phase is the assessment phase. The second, where we figure out with the parent, with the student, really what's going on, and we kind of get a grasp of the whole picture. The B phase is the building phase, which is where I think Erin is right now, which is Mm -hmm. where we're building in skills and strategies, starting to teach her what works for her. We try things sometimes and they don't stick. And we move on from that because we really have to figure out for each individual student what works for them. And then the C phase, which is really the end goal for all students in educational therapy is competency, where they're demonstrating and acting their skills and strategies independently of us, independently of parents, and really taking control over the sessions, honestly, is how we know when students become in charge of the session as opposed to us becoming in charge of the session. But it sounds like Erin is very much in the building phase. She seems to be taking accountability. Can I just say that if it wasn't for Stephanie, we would be at phase one. Right. It's made such a night and day difference with Stephanie. Erin knows that there's oversight. There's somebody watching her, but she's not fearful of it because Stephanie is helping her. And Stephanie's approach is always with kindness and respect and positive attitudes. When Erin stumbles, Erin doesn't always know how to pick herself back up, and Stephanie helps her in a very kind way. And I think Erin really looks forward to going to see Stephanie to help her. She wants to succeed, but she doesn't always know how to do it. And like you said, the fact that she's identifying she cannot help herself, that she's flipping over to texting her friends or Instagramming when she should be all in on studying science. I think you just touched on a value that Steph and I sometimes don't highlight that an educational therapist can provide. We provide the oversight without the emotions attached to it. Mm -hmm. So as mom, you're emotionally attached and you're emotionally invested. You created this person, right? How can you not be emotionally invested? You want her to be successful, of course. Right. 
Right. And it's my job to make sure she is successful. So I totally, I feel responsible for Aaron's outcome. And we feel professionally attached and professionally responsible. But like I tell students when they don't implement strategies, and, and this is something that will come up often in the competency phase where things are trucking along and everything's going really well. And suddenly a student's like, well, I'm killing it right now. I don't have to use my strategies because I'm doing so well, not realizing that they're doing well because of their strategies. Right, exactly. And we provide that accountability for our clients, which something that I often say is, I've already passed out of this class. (laughs) And when I leave, when you walk out the door, I'm good. (laughs) I can sleep Yeah. And by the time they get to the competency phase or later in the building phase, they want to please us, but they also want to please themselves. They do. They're very clear on their goals. And Erin seems to be very clear. And Steph, you've done a really good job about giving her manageable goals and realistic goals that are achievable for where she's at now. A lot of you who have been listening to the podcast know that we've had to make some changes, right? I went from a week goal and that didn't work. So then we went to four days, then five days, then we tried a week and then I tried two weeks and it was too much. Mm -hmm. And so as we go, we're figuring out what her bandwidth is before something backslides a little bit, which you know we know is going to happen. But if we look at the total picture about where she was and the things that aren't getting done now compared to where they were right. just a few months ago, it's completely different. I was going to say, you also taught her how to study. I think you've taught her to time manage her study habits. Yeah, we're working on it. I wouldn't say that we're there yet completely, but I do know that she has taken it to heart because there's been a couple of times where we've been studying and I'm saying, teach it to me, and she doesn't get it. And that was the first time she realized that she didn't understand something. And so she had to go back and readjust. So I think that she's doing a lot of growing, even though it may not feel like it all the time. I do think that she's making some strides. And I think she is externally motivated. And we know this about her. That makes it harder. Yep. And that is going to be the most challenging part of when you're working with a student, the ones that don't have that internal motivation like they did when they were younger. But the good news is she's motivated by something. She does want to please. I think she just doesn't know sometimes how to get there. And when she gets stuck with her impulse control, it goes out the window. But I think the overarching feeling is that she does want to do well. Yes, she does want to do it the easiest way possible. That is for sure. But she does want to, (laughs) you know, so I think it's in there. Otherwise, she wouldn't be willing to try some of these things that I'm showing to her. And she's really being honest with me. Because it's safe for her stuff. Yeah, I'm letting her have that space. So, you know, there was something that she told me the other day. She goes, oh, maybe I shouldn't have admitted to that. And I said, no, I'm glad you did. We're not going to do anything about it right now, but we're going to try a few things. And if that doesn't work, then we know that that's a much bigger problem and we're going to have to address it. And she agreed. She understood. And I think that was huge for the metacognition of really having her understand how she approaches things when she struggles with her impulse control. Steph, you're doing some good work. Thanks for that. You're welcome. That's one of the roles you and I play in each other's lives is reminding us that we're good at what we do, right? Yeah, it's so true. The thing that I think is amazing and why I interrupted you to point it out was 
she does feel safe to fail. Yeah. And that's one of the things that, and we don't talk about it really, but failure is a big part of this process because that's where the growth happens. And hopefully, which we're going to get into kind of like what's going on now with Aaron and where are you guys working and what are you seeing at home? But when that failure happens, it's tolerable for both Aaron and for you, Catherine, that you guys can tolerate it in a different way than what the crisis mode that you all were in when you called Steph. Mm Because when you called Steph, it was a full raging fire, right? Right. Like things felt really out of control and I'm looking at your face and you're like going back to that place right now. I can totally tell. Now the fire is burning, but it's, it's a fireplace fire right? It's manageable. She's in a little bit more control over it. And we'll get to the place where we put the fire out. Mm -hmm. That will happen. But there might be some embers that always flare up. Yeah. Flare up. So Catherine, why don't you give us an update on where Erin is right now and what's kind of been happening recently? There's been some distractions in her life. There's been girl drama. She's 13. And we were really proud of her. And we really, my husband and I, you know, we're her biggest cheerleaders. We cheer her on. We are proud of you. Separately from the milkshakes, she doesn't have a cell phone yet. And this has been a big, if she can get her homework in for an entire month, she get a, a cell phone. And this has been going on since September. Mm-hmm. She still doesn't have a cell phone. And we really thought last week, she thought she was three days away from getting the phone. And there was a hiccup. And we found out there was a hiccup the week before as well. So this has been pushed back now. She has another week. She just has one week. I'm hopeful. I do think she's going to get there. Stephanie helped us to understand that you can't have the cell phone dangling so far away that it's, she's lost hope in getting it. And so every time she hiccups, instead of saying, oh, it's a month out, we just kind of, okay, another week. I'm hopeful that next week she'll get a phone. We're rooting for her. Make your life easier too, mm-hmm. if she had it. Uh, it. Well, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a little bit afraid that that's then going to become a new distraction, that then if she gets the cell phone, it will. then that will be another excuse. Cell phones age appropriate for a middle school student. I know, I know. You just don't want to create another can of worms for yourself, which I totally get. I don't. I want to make sure that she makes good choices with the phone as well. Do you know the rules of the phone? What the rules are going to be? Have you guys decided that yet? Or you're not there yet? We're not even there yet. We're not there yet. Her younger brother has a cell phone. Oh, wow. Because he got all A's. And so Aaron's very upset. Because when she was in fifth grade, she also got all A's. Uh, well, fair is not always equal. Yeah. Two different kids. Yeah. There's going to need to be restrictions on the phone majorly. and Oh, major. She knows that. And we've already had some intro conversations about it. We can talk about it, but there's definitely going to be have to be some rules that are having to be followed regarding school and whatnot in addition to whatever other social media type rules you have going on. Oh, yeah. She knows that it's coming. Right. And also, I think that the first rule, hands down, is going to be when it's homework time, I take the phone. Absolutely. The phone can't even be in the room. There's no reason a phone should be in the room when someone's doing homework. That's hands down. Yeah. But there's a second goal now because there's a Disneyland trip first Mm. Friday of March. And I told her there's some goals that she needs to hit. 
I told her last night, she will not be able to go unless I looked at some grades. Clearly, there was no effort put in for the test. So the grades come up. Otherwise, it's just off the table. It's not even a consideration. I feel like the Disneyland trip is a reward for doing so well in school. And so is it grade oriented or is it effort oriented? Because sometimes students are not necessarily in charge of the outcome, but they've put in the effort. Well, she got a 66 on a vocab test. I think that that's pretty clear effort. I don't know if you agree. We have to be very clear about what goals are connected to what and how. So I think her getting in her homework, we know that she's going to get a phone if she gets continues to get in her homework. The next goal, I think, needs to be, remember how we've talked about it, just needs to be one thing. And we know that history, she's not putting in full effort. And so I might tie it to that. It's really about her putting in a little bit more effort. But what does that look like? So if I'm her. With her assignments. So if I'm her, what does that mean I have to do? One of the things that keeps happening with history is she has this quiz that she has to take after filling out all of this stuff. And she's not necessarily filling out all of the answers correctly because she's not necessarily looking up the answer. So then she's not getting it right on the quiz. Mm -hmm. And so this is something specific that we've started to talk about a little bit with putting in a little bit effort to find the answer. The 5% challenge. Exactly. The 5% challenge of just doing a five more percent that she actually needs to find the answers and not just put whatever she feels like she wants to put down on that homework assignment because then it's followed up with the quiz later on. And so that's a concern of mine that I definitely see as needing a reward. The vocab, you know. I think it's about effort for Catherine. I think I think you look at that one as a, this is a simple thing. Why wouldn't you do it? If I saw her in her room studying her vocab and putting the time in, I don't see any of that on her part. I don't see her caring enough. Well... Here's the thing. She's got a very high IQ and things are very easy for her. Mm. So it's not going to necessarily ever look like what you think it's going to look like. I agree. Because she doesn't need as much time as some of her classmates might need. So she might put in a few minutes here and there and she's able to pull off the A because it's pretty simple. And there might be moments where she forgot or she didn't even look it over and whatnot, and she might end up getting a D. There's also moments where that might happen, and she might get an A. So because she's naturally smart, we're in a different position. I feel, though, that if you're going to get a 66 on a vocab test, you pretty much didn't look at the words. But she probably gets A's on vocab quizzes that she doesn't even look at the words. The problem is, is that she's often reinforced for the lack of studying. Uh-huh. She gets positively reinforced because she's bright. She retains information. She's heard it being spoken in class. Mm-hmm. And so what does that teach me? I don't need to study for this. I got this. 100%. My point is that she needs to put the effort in. I think that we need to focus for this Disneyland trip on one subject of effort instead of all subjects of effort. Because, as we know, you have to start with one thing. And if we just say effort across the board, we're setting her up to fail. She's not going to Disneyland. My fear, Stephanie, there is 
that one subject before was science. The science at her school is insane. It's ridiculous. And we put the focus and she did it. She got an A in science. She was getting A's on the test. I mean, this is really hard stuff. Because she likes it. And what I'm afraid of is if we now put the effort on history or English, the grades will start dropping in science. So what I'd like her to understand is that you need to put the effort in across the board, just not focusing on one subject at a time. I completely understand where you're coming from. However, the brain doesn't work that way. That is literally setting her up for it's either effort or not. And she isn't built that way. And she needs specific target areas to work toward. And then we build upon it. So each one is a stair for her. So for her, effort and not effort is the difference of looking at the bottom of the staircase and the top of the staircase. And she's doing really well in science because she likes it. And history, she doesn't like as much. Totally get it, Catherine. Because every time we say, okay, she's competent, because she really has moved over, it sounds like, into competency in science. And now we're adding in another expectation. Doesn't necessarily mean science is going to fall out from the bottom's going to fall out on science. But she just got a 75 on her science test. So it has dropped. But you also know that there has been a hiccup lately. Yes. So I don't necessarily attribute that to just science. I think it was just an overall hiccup. And I think we should talk a little bit more about that. The other thing I want to say is my goal for you, Catherine, not having ever met you before this very moment, Mm -hmm. I do not want you to be in a place where you can spit back grades to me, to us so quickly. She's right. But I just looked last night on RemWeb. (laughs) And so it's all fresh. I just... If you would have asked me yesterday, or if you would ask me on Friday, I, I would be like, I'm not sure. I haven't looked in a week, but I looked last night. Fair. Fair. I believe you. And to Aaron's defense, the semester just ended like two weeks ago. And so everything is new. And so if you get, you know, she's had a couple hiccups and some homework, then it's dropping everything. So that the average has dropped. But I do believe, especially with Stephanie's help, that by the time the semester is over, that she'll be right back where she was because she will be. She's going to sprinkle it with the good stuff because right now she, she had middle school girl drama last week and across the board. That's when I start getting emails from all the teachers. She didn't do this. You know, she forgot this or she's one teacher said, Oh, she did the homework, but it just looked like she filled it in. She's just rushing to do it. And she's not putting the effort in. You're very fortunate too. You have a high level of engagement from your teachers. You have some of the best engagement out of any of the schools that I work with, just so you know. Oh, that makes me feel so good. That makes me feel so good. You're lucky. You're very fortunate because I'm sure we have smarties who are listening who are thinking, oh, she finds out so quickly what's going on. And not everybody does. I demand it from them as well (laughs) in a kind way, but I'm definitely proactive talking to the teachers in their faces, asking them to help me. I have other parents who are bossy about it as well, for lack of a better phrase, as you should be. And the teachers are like, go take a hike. They don't have time for it. Ultimately, you can't be the one to force them to sit down and write you that email. 
This is true. So you're fortunate. I word it such that, look, we all want her to be a good student. We all want her to learn the information and let's be a team here. That's kind of how I approach it to the teachers. Yeah. And they're the teachers are wonderful. Help me help you help her. Yeah. That's exactly the right way to phrase it. When we're talking to teachers, excuse me, we often say, what are your goals and how can we help you get there? Because when they feel like their goals are important to us, they're much more likely to be responsive in this way. But still, you're super lucky the amount of engagement that you get. Agreed. 100% agree. I want to chat a little bit about this hiccup and the girl drama, not necessarily discuss that so much, but educational therapy, Stefan, tell me what you think. To me, it can often feel cyclical and that we have periods of great success. And then we have periods where old habits creep in. And Mm -hmm. as the adults on the team, educational therapists, learning specialists, teachers, parents, we all have a tendency to really react when we see these old habits come into play. I know that you and I've been talking about this, that this has happened. Catherine, just so you know, there's something in the air and in the zeitgeist, because this has happened to several of my clients. And I think it's the time of year. I think it is too. I think it's end of January, early February. They're really coming out of, usually they've had a great break. And resetting and summer seems so far away. I think it's cyclical. Yeah. That doesn't mean we don't respond to it, but failure is a natural part of this whole process. Well, I don't feel hopeless at the moment either. When Erin's hiccuping right now, it feels so different than when Stephanie was not in our lives because the teachers are also CCing Stephanie. Everybody's on board. And I feel I can take the back seat. I'll respond a couple of emails to the teacher just to say thank you and acknowledge it. But I know that Stephanie's got this and I can just let her and Aaron figure it out. And it feels good. It feels really, really good to know Stephanie's there. I'm so glad. Because otherwise... The fact is that she's honest with me and we have a rapport and I think that she trusts me and I think she knows that I'm going to reward her handsomely when she's done what she's supposed to do. And when she's not, we have to adjust. And I think that this hiccup is, you know, sometimes it could just be a weekend where she just wasn't on it or even just didn't even feel well or got really sucked into a TV show or something. And there's going to be those moments. And those are learning opportunities for her. Like we've started to talk about how her impulse control gets in the way sometimes and she's starting to notice it. And that's the first step. Like we always say, you know, you don't get from A to Z overnight. Also, it could have been a really hard chapter in science or it could have been there was a week I think that I didn't see her. And so that might have had something to do with it. There's all these other factors. I'm not saying that it wasn't something that she could have changed her habits and done a little bit better. But I do think that there were some things that probably played into it in addition to the girl drama. But I do think that she knows it didn't feel good to not do as well. Yeah, I agree. She won't say it. She will to me. Oh, she will. She will to me. That's fantastic. She plays poker face with us. She acts like she doesn't care. But it's easier to do that when you're afraid of reactions or afraid. I'm not saying you overreact, but she doesn't want to disappoint. And she also doesn't want to get consequences, right? So 
It's much easier to take that side of things when you don't know how your parents are going to react. So it's much easier to be vulnerable with me because she knows my reaction and she knows that some things are going to stay between her and I. And when it's necessary, I'm going to tell you because she needs to feel safe. And Mm -hmm. this is why we have these conversations. Well, if it gets to this certain point, then I'm going to tell your parents. And she says, okay, okay, that's fair. Like she, she listens. And I do deep down, I think she does want success. I think she doesn't want to put the effort in for success, but I do think she wants it. And I don't think prior to you, Stephanie, that she knew how to study. I don't think she knew how to plan it out. And most kids don't. Oftentimes they study what they already know Mm -hmm. and they study at 9 p.m. the night before a test and think that they're going to be successful. Especially true for bright kids. Yeah. You have an added challenge in that if you had an average typical middle road kid, that's a kid who learns how to fail, learns how to be resilient, learns how to put in strategies so that they can be an exceptional learner, an exceptional student. When you have a kid who's naturally bright, has an amazing memory for information, and in elementary school and early middle school can spit back information, when it levels up in middle school, and now you're being asked to take that information and do something with it and analyze it and compare it, they have not had the luxury of having built compensatory strategies along the way. They haven't built the muscle. And then it becomes really frustrating for parents because you are so bright, but they literally don't know. When, so when Steph was talking about that, you know, she's at the bottom of the staircase looking at the top of the staircase, Steph is building out those steps for her. She doesn't know how to do it for herself. Well, I do have to say, Stephanie, that... You have sat with Erin on Sunday nights. Sundays are a school night, which she refused to acknowledge prior to you setting that for her. And now, for 30, we said, okay, you have to do your homework. And last night... Which was her idea. She chose 4.30. Okay. I just want everyone to know. I let her choose. I went in her room at 4.15 and I said, you know, just reminding you in 15 minutes. And she said, I know, I know. And then... About 4.45, I went back in just to check on her. And I started to say, you need to do your homework. And she said, I'm already doing it, mom. And I was just like, yes, Stephanie. <laughs> right? Because that never would have happened before. That's great. That and never. she got a text from me at 5. She knew it was coming. <laughs> she got a text from me at 5. And I sent her a message saying, Spanish homework? Yeah. And she sent it back immediately with a picture of it. So she knew that that was coming. Oh, Steph, she should get a milkshake just for that. It's so hard to self-start on the weekend. And students don't conceive of Sunday night as being a school night. No, she would never. Yeah, when Steph and I were starting out, we used to see clients on Sundays because Sundays is the school night, hands down, our most popular, busiest day. For sure. You were going to try to put together a study group. I was hands all in. We are in. (laughs) I'm trying. We're working on that. More to come on that later. (laughs) What a difference that would make if she could just look at it as getting a jump on the week. But we're not there yet. If anybody knows anybody in the South Bay, Stephanie is hiring. She is looking for someone who is a reading specialist and someone who can do the kind of coaching and executive functioning work that we do as educational therapists. So reach out to Steph. We want to meet you. I'm hiring as well as at CAP Educational Therapy in Beverly Hills. 
we know Sunday nights are an area of need and we're both working to address it. So Catherine, before we go, do you have any last questions for us or anything you wanted to make sure that you shared while on the podcast with us? It's been life-changing for us as a family. That's the honest to goodness truth. I see light at the end of the tunnel, not just for the grades and getting the homework in, but life teaching Erin how to study long-term down the road when Stephanie's not there, she's off in college. There's impulses, there's distractions, and this will be ingrained in her for the future. It's an investment we're making for her future education. And how she's going to function as an adult. Yeah. It's not going to be a problem for her. I know exactly what you're going to say. She is going to pick a career that she is invested in and that she's interested and engaged in. And probably be the boss. This is us as the adults in her life saying these school topics are important and you have to have a basis of knowledge to be a functioning member of society. As an adult, you self-select what you study, where you go, where you live, what you do. And for students like Erin, we know because we've been doing this long enough, they turn out to be some of the most innovative, creative leaders in their areas of expertise. It's just a matter of her getting to that point. We will get her there. Yeah. She will get there. She absolutely will. She's got little wins all over the place and they're building. Steph, you should create a win list for her. It's a good idea. I like it. I have that for a couple of clients in my office that it's just, it doesn't say their name. It says their initials. The times that they have had a win, because when she has these hiccups, she also gets, we've talked about how we can have a heightened reaction to that. Our students can sometimes have a heightened reaction and feel really discouraged. I love the idea of a win list for her. It's got me thinking, like, why not a whiteboard at home and a win list for all the kids? You know, just acknowledge everyone. I like that idea. Listen, you know, it always feels good to be acknowledged for the good things that you're able to do. And don't put it on a whiteboard. Put it on a piece of paper because it's not something you're going to wipe away. That win still happened. Does that make sense? That's true. It's permanent. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Right. You could just pin more wins up on top of the wins. I like that idea. I like it for her. It is a good one. I like it. So Catherine, we just want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And Yes. Thank you so much. It really, it means a lot to be able to share. And I think for our listeners to be able to get an update on how Milkshake Girl is doing and what we work on together, I think it's great. Thank you for being vulnerable. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for having me. It was our pleasure. Thank you. Catherine, we can't thank you enough for coming onto the podcast and being open about your family's journey. We know that you have impacted the trajectory for another family or at least normalized their experience. Erin is bright, and we often see that bright children lack compensatory strategies. Oftentimes, we hear parents tell their learners to just study, and their kids have no idea what that means or looks like. Through educational therapy, Catherine and Erin have both learned that this gap exists, and Erin is working in educational therapy to build those skills while Catherine feels supported and validated by her ongoing working relationship with Steph and the educational therapy process. Baby steps are critical in this family. It can be so helpful to work with an educational therapist because it is difficult to figure out how to get from the bottom of the staircase to the top of the staircase. We provide our clients with the building blocks as we work through the educational therapy process from the initial assessment stages through the building phase towards competency. 
If you are interested in transforming your home life through educational therapy, we invite you to work with us. We both do virtual sessions, but if you're in Southern California, my ed therapist is in the South Bay and CAP Educational Therapy Group is in Beverly Hills. We invite you to reach out to us through our websites, which are linked in the show notes, or through email at rachelandstaff at learnsmarterpodcast.com or through Instagram at learnsmarterpodcast. Have a great week, Smarties. Have a great week.